0: At this time, for our first message, we'll be having a split sermon, and it is going to be given by Mr. Art Williams. It is entitled, Fret Not. Thank you, Sean. No one knows in advance what the new year will bring, and certainly a year ago, nobody I don't think would have expected the conditions that the world is in and what the nation is in. And these things can become burdensome and kind of get us down once in a while. So I thought it would be good to look at uh, what the Bible says about being discouraged, downcast. Um, And I started looking at the life of David. If you ever looked at the life of David, if anybody had quite a few reasons to fret, he did. You know, it would be an interesting question to ask David. David. if you were given the choice again to be a sheep herder or we'll go through all the, all the things that you went through, would you choose just staying out there with the sheep rather than becoming king of Israel? For myself, I think I would have stayed with the sheep. But the stresses of life can test our values and our beliefs. And even as Christians, it can induce us to precipitate in actions and manners that are inappropriate. And one factor in influencing these things is knowing the seasons, knowing what he's doing, knowing the times and the purposes. Another can be our own emotional state, our own priorities, our own anxieties, situations that we've been through that can emotionally propel us into action. David wrote in Psalm 37 verse one, fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be envious of the workers of iniquity These things certainly can apply to our life as we look at what's going on today. And in continuing in Psalm 37, verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his ways and because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. And continuing in verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. It would be so easy to want to do that. And then in Proverbs, it continues the same theme. Proverbs 24:19. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be you envious of the wicked. In all these cases, Strong's number is 2734, which means to grow warm, hot, anger, be zealous, jealous, displeased, grieved, incensed, Roth, and all of these things we are not immune to. Now there were some promises given to the apostles at the get go, uh, and the apostles were treated somewhat differently because it says in Mark sixteen eighteen, Jesus speaking to them, he says to them, "You shall take up serpents, and if uh, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover." So the apostles. Uh, were able to handle serpents, and if they drank a poison, they wouldn't be hurt. And we see that through, even in, with Paul and his way to Rome, when he gets shipwrecked. Uh, and they knew it was a bad time to travel, and that it was likely there would be some um, loss of life or loss of a ship because of uh, the time of the year, because the weather was bad. And he says to them in Acts 27, starting in verse 21, starting in the middle of verse 21, Sirs, you should have listened to me that I have not been loosed from creek and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told to me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. So there was a purpose of them going on the island. And it was interesting that, For Paul's sake, he did not avoid the shipwreck. He could have just said, don't worry about it. It's bad weather out there, Paul. I'll make the storm go the other way. No, no. And, of course, we know that when he was on the island, he got bit by a snake, and the snake didn't hurt him, and they were very much impressed. And we don't know if that had any impact upon all of those sailors that were with them and whether they became believers or not. But Paul's assistants weren't immune to sickness. Uh, we find out, I'm not going to turn to it, but in Philippians 2, 25 through 27, we find out one of his assistants was sick nigh unto death. And in 2 Timothy 4, verse 20, we find another one was very sick. and And Paul talks about the difficulties that he suffered and had in Second Timothy 2, 9 and 10. Uh, Wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, being in jail. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that there may also obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. And so they weren't immune and neither are we immune. And just as Paul was doing it for the sake of the elect, we too all have have obligations to one another in Galatians 6.2, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, right now we are going through some interesting times, but they're not anywhere as close to what will be coming down the pipe at some time in the future. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, it writes, this is Paul writing, this also notes that in the last days, perilous times shall come and be, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. This is interesting in that if you were going to substitute one word in for this particular phrase where he writes, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, comma, covetous. Is there any one word you could think of that would describe those types of people? Modern day term, anybody? How about selfish? Selfish. No, here we go. Yeah, yeah. What I was thinking of is selfish. Lovers of their own self, covetous. There's a man who lived from 1743 to 1813. His name was Alexander Fraser, Tytler. I'll spell his last name because I'm not sure of the pronunciation, T-Y-T-L-E-R. He was a professor at Edinburgh University and he made observations, or at least these observations were attributed to him. There's some debate about that. But it was his statements were in regarding to forms of government and he said about a democracy. Oops, went the wrong way here. He made a statement that democracies can only exist until the majority of the voters discover they can vote for themselves, generous gifts from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury. That results in collapse over loose physical policy. Continuing in the next paragraph, the nations have progressed through this sequence, the sequence being from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from great courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, and from abundance to selfishness, and from selfishness, to apathy, and from apathy to dependence, and from dependence back to bondage. Very interesting statement. Very, very interesting statement. And if we look at ourselves, and if our nation is at selfishness, and once the opposition to that selfishness is disposed of, then we would go into apathy, dependence, and back to bondage. Jesus said in Matthew 25 in verse 5 that many will come in my name and deceive many and just a mere four verses later he says they will deliver you up and afflict you and kill you in a very short four verses he goes from having followers even though they were deceived to if you mention the name of Jesus you're going to be killed quite a turnaround. And he continues in Matthew 4 verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, iniquity shall abound, selfishness, and we got the description earlier, the love of many shall wax cold. And that's where fretting comes in. If you allow your fret self to fret too much and have your mind on the physical things and all the evil that's out there, your love is going to wax cold. And that's that risk. That's the enemy. That's what we cannot allow happen. We must not allow fretting to take hold of us and allow us to then wax cold because of the abounding of iniquity. And we have to remember who is behind all of this and what his purpose is in all of this. By his purpose, I mean God's purpose. Satan is behind it. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, but all of this is under his control. He's got it all there, and we're going to explore exactly some of the things that are going to be happening, um, in how it 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 may incline us to be fretful, even more fretful than we, than we otherwise would be. But 1 Corinthians one nineteen is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Believing that he will do this in his season, in his time, and through his purposes, and being willing to accept this is the solution to eliminating fret, worry. It's encompassed in faith, it's encompassed in love, it's encompassed with belief. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 20, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice, be you children, but in understanding, be men. The point is, when we get understanding, don't be in, immature with it. If you're going to be immature, be immature with malice. Children usually don't hurt people in their malice. But in understanding, be mature. In Ephesians, he continues that thought in Ephesians 5, 17. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Coming to understand what the will of the Lord is, is obtained by study, prayer, meditation, observation, experience, and application of his ways in life. Understanding the will of God and being committed to his goal and the intermediate objectives of God's will that bring about that goal. Let me read that again. Understanding the will of God and being committed to his goal and the intermediate intermediate objectives of God's will that bring about that goal. You have a goal and you have intermediate objectives that he's achieving as he goes through this, as we go through it with him. Regarding his will, He has a defined will, which is revealed to us in his scriptures, but he also has an undefined will. that is how he relates to nations, and how he relates to individuals, and how he goes about working with, through, and against to bring about his will. An important aspect of this understanding is dedication. He writes in Luke twelve thirty four. for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. That's part of fretting. If your treasure is in physical, if your treasure is in power, prestige, pride, arrogance, if that's where your treasure is, if you value physical objects, and we live into a stressful end time I'm talking about here, you will be in jeopardy because the, the rich young ruler is a very good example. He comes to Jesus and Jesus tells him, give up your money and your political influence. You see, he pro- the rich young ruler probably had the idea, I'm gonna go in there and with my money, in my political poll, we can really do a work here. You know, we can open doors. We can put out some money behind the scenes. We can really get this thing moving. But Jesus doesn't need that. He doesn't need the money and the political influence. And so the rich young ruler, when he was told, give up your money in your possessions and come and follow me he walked away it shows you where his treasure was it shows you where his heart was to love God with all your heart mind, soul, and strength one must treasure him and his will his definitive will and his undefined will and worship must never degrade into a form of godliness, godlessness and be replaced with man's concepts. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Paul writing to the Romans, be not conformed to this world. The word conformed means fashioned after, fashioned self according to, some standard. He's talking about the world's standards. Because he goes on in the scripture here, 12 too, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind from being conformed mentally to what the world's standards are, to Jesus' standards. He continues that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God it is a process. It's not done at one time. It's not when you receive the Holy Spirit of God at baptism that, and you have hands laid upon you. You don't automatically receive the full, mature mind of Christ and know everything that he wants you to do. It is a process of learning. The confirmation to the standards of the world is revealed to you by... What in who you hold in high regard? What in who do you pattern yourself after in values, in behavior? Are the punk rock people your idols? Are the politicians your idols? Being conformed to the world's standards prevents one from proving God's will. Because he says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good. If you have a carnal mind conformed to the world, you won't be able to understand what God is doing. That's why it's so important to love God with all your heart and your mind, your soul, and your strength, and proving His will. One must delete the world standards that are inherently in your life and go through the ongoing spiritual process of mind transformation to be conformed to God's standard. Those who are conformed to the world quite often exhibit outward signs of their inner problems. Fortunately, they're so blind, they don't even realize. And that's part of the reason why Jesus came. and It's part of the corrections that he's going to put into the world. Another aspect of what is before us is in Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace of God surpasses understanding. It is the peace of God that shall keep your hearts and minds. If you fret over the physical, if you fret over those consternations that are thrown before us, it will remove the peace of God It will remove your love. Fret, anxiety, worry, fear interferes with keeping your heart and mind through Christ. It interferes with your faith. It interferes with your hope of his calling. Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, in my Deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. I think it was last week, or perhaps it was the week before when Sean spoke, he gave a video where the guy was running through the streets that were being blown up and buildings falling down and he runs right through there and totally not affected by it. It's a good illustration of relying on God as your rock and your fortress for him to deliver you and for him to be your strength. Job makes a statement, it's rather tongue-in-cheek. He says, though you slay me, I will trust in you. And comma, and then the last part of that is, but I will still do my own way. (laughs) But you know, that's an interesting statement, that no matter, even if you slay me, I will trust in you. And certainly Stephen uh, lived up to that. And if you look at what happened with Stephen, right when he was at the point um, giving his message, and he looks up and he sees Jesus at the right hand of God the Father. And when he states that, then they stone him. And I often wonder, that's why he was given that vision. Because God knew that when he saw him up there and he made that statement, they would hate him so much they would kill him. And he would be a martyr. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we get attached to this life. Um, it says in Isaiah that, The young sometimes die early but no one considers they're taken from the evil to come. His goal is to replace man's rule on earth with his kingdom and subsequently give all creation to his children as inheritance, the intermediate process Number one, call whosoever will to become part of his kingdom and rule with him. Number two, witness before mankind because of their errors of man's ways that ultimately will result in the destruction of all life on earth if God does not intervene. And there's one more step to that, and that is the conclusion wherein there is the elimination of all fleshly mortality disposed to one or two possibilities, either the lake of fire or all eternity with him as a spirit being inheriting all of the universe that he will recreate the key to avoiding the fretting is to keep focused on Christ his love his faith that he is always with you no matter where you go no matter what you're going through just like he was with Stephen at the time he was murdered and being focused on that. And the harder part is to be aware of your own attitudes. These things are sometimes insidious, and we don't even realize that they are there influencing us. In conclusion, Philippians 1, verses 27 and 29, Only let your conversations be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Faith, something to strive for, something to work at, something to study, something to meditate about, it's important. And in, nothing, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. You're not going to be terrified by them. You're not going to worry about what they can do to you. And in nothing terrified by your adversary, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. And unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Yes, we will suffer for his sake, but we also receive an inheritance of all the universe. It's worthy of all the striving that we can put to it to develop our faith, maintain our love, and to love God the Father and Jesus Christ with all of our heart, of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength.